Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And we are back this week after a lovely Thanksgiving. Mm. I had a good one, at least. Did you have a good one, Tess? Mine was better than yours. That's true. So it was a great Thanksgiving. Indeed. Um, We hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. And Mm. we are going to jump right into this episode of Will and Grace. Yay. So we are on episode 22 of season 5, May Divorce Be With You. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of Star Wars this this uh, A lot of Star season. Wars, yeah. Uh, Karen hires a somewhat immature divorce attorney, guest star Macaulay Culkin, to oppose Will in court. Macaulay Culkin, Macaulay Culkin, he's here! So I actually am very pleased that I'm reading the episode description, because I am now, for the first time this week, realizing how Macaulay Culkin is spelled. <laughs> it's weird. I guess I didn't realize it had the word Macaw in it, like the city in... Um, like the city in Asia colonized by Portugal. So Macaw! that will actually make it easier for me to spell it because I'm a giant nerd. Macaw! <laughs> Please stop making noises like that. No. Why not? Because. Oh, okay. Yay! Let's talk about Will and Grace. So Macaulay Culkin is the guest star in this episode, as you may have guessed from me saying his name over and over again. Macaulay Culkin! Um, he plays a young lawyer who's kind of presented as an idiot or like a... Skater boy, like yeah, he like walks in in this like ill-fitting suit with a backpack, and he's talking about how his roommates are gonna get his iguana high. And... Yeah, and he's in the main plot this week because we've come to the end of the season, so we finally need to resolve the like overhanging plot of Stanley Walker divorcing Karen Walker. Yes, and Karen learns like in the first two minutes of this episode that Will can't represent her as her lawyer because he's Stan's lawyer. Right. Like, I feel like this plot line has come up a couple times where Karen's like, oh, well, Will, you'll just do that. And he's like, no, I'm your husband's attorney, Karen. Like, Right. Like, his company employs my company, so right. I'm his attorney. Like, I'm not even, like, working for myself anymore like I was in the first couple seasons. Like, yeah. No, like, Will is a partner at a firm and, like, Walker... Remember the ain't... good old days when Will had his own firm for no reason? Yeah, that didn't make any damn sense. No, it did not. But I liked his office. It was nice. It was a better office than the one he has now. I agree. I mean, less books, though. Less books. Books are important. But yeah, so Karen is a bit taken aback to discover that Will will not be representing her in divorce court. Mm-hmm. So she goes out and gets herself a new lawyer. Yes, and he comes with a good pedigree. I mean, they say that he helped Debbie Harry get something or other. Yeah, she got get some... out of a traffic ticket or something. No, it wasn't a traffic ticket. She sued some paparazzi. That's right. Um, although I do want to note that inexplicably through the entire episode, they called her Deborah Harry. <laughs> and I'm just like, was she going through a phase where she's like, no, I'm not Debbie Harry. Or is there an additional Deborah Harry who's also famous enough to get a name drop that I'm unaware of? That is equally probable either way. I could see either of those things being true. Well, we're just going to assume it's Debbie Harry and she's going through a phase. It's kind of great because we get, we kind of get two plots in one. You get the plot that you think you're going to get. Where Karen is an idiot, and she's hired a stupid young lawyer who doesn't, know, who doesn't know anything. And poor Will is just like, oh my god, this kid is so stupid. But like, as Karen's friend, I can't, I can't let him represent her. Yeah. You so, know. Yeah, so we have that plot, and then it kind of results in Will sort of telling Macaulay Culkin's character, like, hey... You know, all you need to do is prove, is prove that, this or that, yeah. that Stan was unfaithful and that breaks the prenup. And uh-huh. he's like, right, so, right. Like, he, he <laughs> he's like an idiot. 
But then... But then it turns out he's not an idiot. No, he's actually aware that he's young. Yes. And very much so uses that to play other more experienced lawyers. And so he plays the part of a dumb idiot and then comes in having basically been spoon-fed Will's entire plan. Right. With the intention of destroying him. You know, this is kind of an interesting, like, plot line because, like, I feel like as a millennial, like, that's such, like, a cool millennial move. Oh, except this took place, like, ten years ago. So Macaulay Culkin isn't quite a millennial? I mean, I think it depends on where you're reading your classification, but most people do say millennials are about 1980 to 1996. I just can't so see Macaulay Culkin as anything but Gen X. But he's he could be like an older millennial. He was a child when the Gen Xers were like starved. That's true. You know? so, I, I guess I objectively so was, don't even know how old Macaulay Culkin is. Do you know how old Macaulay Culkin is? He was born in 1980. Okay, so I guess technically he probably is... He's probably culturally Gen X, but legally Gen Y. Nobody calls us that. You don't call us that. You suck. Anyways, so Macaulay Culkin's a millennial, and he's out millennialing millennials. Right. My point is that I I want to be pro millennial, but like Macaulay Culkin does this in like such a smarmy way because the show isn't written by millennials in any way. Yeah. So it's kind of like ah, these damn kids with their smartphones and their yeah. and their ambitions and their sneaky underhandedness. Right. Like he's played absolutely like the villain in this episode. Right. And. Not wrong, because he is, like, taking advantage of Will, who is our hero. Yes. Um, But, um, yeah, it's really interesting, because I think that this flip on his character really highlights um, the importance of Will and Karen's friendship this mm -hmm. episode. Because we see them both, despite being on opposite sides of this case, kind of struggling to make sure that while they're still getting what they need they're mm -hmm. not screwing their friend right and so while will wants to try and settle or win this case he also doesn't want to leave karen out in the cold which is why he tells macaulay culkin's character all this information and right. likewise when macaulay culkin is sort of like <laughs> i will destroy you will truman like karen's like um no please don't please Thank do you. not ruin my friend's career that is rude and it is nice that we get both sides of that because we don't always on this show uh-huh especially when karen's involved like sometimes you'll have the plot line where it seems like you're setting up for that yeah and then karen's like oh that's so sweet well now i'm gonna take all your money you know right and then we're reminded that karen has the moral backbone of a chocolate eclair like <laughs> um yeah so it's uh, there's also another weird macaulay culkin bit that is terrifying to me having grown up watching him in movies like home alone and right. stuff where once he reveals that he's actually a, an evil genius he's like yeah and after i got deborah harry her settlement we i nailed her and then he's like hitting on karen like very aggressively right well and that's the other thing like to go back to like the millennial bit like he kind of is a millennial who's acting like gordon gecko Mm -hmm. And, like, there's something wrong there. Oh, my God. He's Ryan from The Office. He's just Ryan from The Office. Yeah. He's Ryan the Temp. Like, there's something really unnerving about him because he's a millennial who's acting like an 80s shark. Yes. But he clearly shouldn't be. Right. Because, obviously, he uh -huh. shouldn't be. I don't know. And also, there's just nothing appropriate about when you're hitting on someone telling them to go get a bikini wax because you like a clean workspace. Yeah, that's gross. That's disgusting, and this is maybe not the time to get on my soapbox about how pubic hair is perfectly natural and extremely uh, extremely cleanly and very hygienic and is actually there to protect your bits from diseases. Mm -hmm. um, but just so you all know, that's my opinion. <laughs> I'm very pro-pubic hair. I'm very anti-waxing. That's good. Although that's pubic lace is down because of the lack of pubic hair. That does help. I do like not encountering pubic lice as a rule. Yep. Okay. So this is, 
a weird plot because it ends on a cliffhanger. Yes. For what seems to be no reason. Yeah, we basically have the, like, I will destroy you, Will. And Will's like, Karen, no. Like, you, you need right. this. Like, I don't care if it costs me my career. Right. It doesn't feel as much like a cliffhanger as it does, like, an episodic television show ending its episode and getting ready for the next one. Right. Like, it's... it's it, the two we continued was perhaps a bit Extreme. Much. Right. It's like... Any other show would just finish the episode and move on and then, like, pick up again right away. Right. But because the show doesn't do that very often, it has to do the, like, to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. We're not just going to completely throw out this plot line. Right. Next week. Like, so many other plot lines in season five where it's like, that should have been to be continued. Yep. This one where we're like, no, I think that was fine. Yeah. We can just find out what happens next week. Thinking about, like, all the plot lines in the season that, like, didn't get a to be continued but probably should. Like, the... Grace's neighbor sexually assaulting her plotline. Uh-huh, line. and then she's friends with her. To be never spoken about again. Nope, it's fine. They're just friends now. And, like, so much of the stuff with, like, Jack and his, like, acting school were, like... Yeah, what's happening with that? That needed way more of a direct follow-up. And instead it was just like, well, now I have an acting school. Yep. And then he just shows up There's at his acting school, No mention of how he's paying for renting that space yeah. out, or if the class is paying him, or if... Crazy. It, yeah. It's weird that, like, this is the to-be-continued out of all the plots we've had. Right. Especially because, looking ahead to next week, we can already see that Macaulay Culkin does not appear. Right. In next week's episode. So, it's obviously not the sort of to-be-continued where the next scene will be Macaulay all of Culkin. them in, like, the, in the briefing room or whatever. Like Right. Like, I'm imagining a scene where, like, it's, like, to-be-continued. And then the first frame of the next episode is, like, someone being covered by a sheet on a stretcher. And it's like, uh, wow, we've never seen heart disease in someone that young. <laughs> But he's dead now. We're never going to see him again. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... <laughs> yeah, there's just... The, we're clearly not going to get a satisfying ending to what happens to that character right. in the slightest. Well, and we're not doing the next two episodes as a bulk episode specifically for the reason that this episode and the next two episodes all aired one week at a time. Yes. So none of them are, like, a full finale, per se. Yeah, they're sort of like a drawn-out three-week finale. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's very... Of its time period. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Come on, guys. Get it together. Speaking of people who need to get it together, shall we talk about the B-plot this week? Oh, good. I thought you were talking about us. Oh, no. We're fine. <laughs> um, so the B-plot, which we haven't really talked about yet, features Jack and Grace. Yes. Um, as is so common with Will and Karen plot lines, we put them together in kind of the mixing up the group yeah. scenario. So this week, Jack is filling in for Karen while Karen is in court dealing with her divorce. Right. And because he's he's... Stellar employee, he gets Grace a client mm-hmm. right off the bat. I think it's actually really funny that while Karen is a terrible employee, Jack is actually really good at, like, pounding the pavement. Right. And by pavement, I mean Clark Gregg. Yep. So he, basically, the client is his boyfriend. Right. Who's Clark Gregg. Who, who's rich, though. Yes. Like, also, it's, it's, it's Agent Coulson, if you're going, that name, yes. it tickles my brain, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think it's funny because, like, for Grace's line of work, it would actually be really helpful to have an assistant who's regularly sleeping with all the gay men of New York. Right. The wealthy gay men. Yes. Too. Not even the cheap gay men. Jack yeah. has standards. Jack has standards. Financial standards. Yes. And so he's dating, he's dating, what is his name? Cam. Because Cam. Because we spent the entire episode being unsure if his name was Cam or Kim. Yes. Um, it then became apparent that it was Cam because someone calls him Cameron and obviously Kimmerin isn't a name. Right. Um, Yet. Don't do that. America. <laughs> Stop in your tracks. Stop right now. Thank you very much. I need someone with a human touch. Are you saying that Cameron doesn't have a human touch? No, he's a robot. That's rude. <laughs> 
So we don't know what Cameron does. Um, <laughs> but he's wealthy. But he's very wealthy. He has two homes. One in the country. Yes, a country home. Um, and what what results in happening is, first of all, obviously Cameron breaks up with Jack yeah. very quickly because Jack is a disaster and mm-hmm. like you kind of want to go on like five to six dates with Jack and then and you're then like, eh, you, I've you, had this before. You're good. You've had you've had your fill. Right. Jack is sort of like eating a lot of candy. I was um, thinking of sushi. Oh. Like, if you have sushi too many times, you will eventually get chlamydia. Explain. <laughs> As someone who... I'm sorry, did I say chlamydia? I meant food poisoning. There you go. Um, I was thinking more like candy because it's extremely satisfying in the moment, but then you realize that not only are you still hungry, but you've consumed a bunch of empty calories, and now you've rotted your teeth out, mm-hmm. and someone stole your wallet. And maybe you have chlamydia. And you might have chlamydia. <laughs> But the what they do is they kind of do, and Will Grace has done this before. Mm-hmm. They take these two characters who are not romantically involved and uh-huh. do not date the same people at all, and they put them in a love triangle anyway. Yes, and it's it's pretty funny because now like it's kind of like Grace is dating Cameron, uh-huh. and Jack is like, "You can't date Cameron because Cameron broke my heart." And but Grace is like, "But the." Right. So now Grace is sleeping around with Cameron. Yeah, she's like sneaking around. And he's like, I know that we have, you know, because he had Clark Gregg has that Clark Gregg voice. Right. He's like, I know that things are complicated with you, me, and Jack, but maybe you could just decorate my country home. And she's like, oh, God. And he's like, it's huge. I have a huge house. <laughs> and she's like, a huge house, you say? I just, I need to bring my tape measure because sometimes people exaggerate. <laughs> And it's really great. And then there's this whole, like, thing where they're talking about how, like, once she does his house, like, she can be, what is it, like, Architectural Digest? Architectural Digest. That's a real magazine, by the way. Yeah, I just, I couldn't remember which, like, home magazine it was. So often it's not a real thing on this show. But that is actually a real thing. Architectural Digest is a real thing. And then she would be able to, to appear in a photo in front of her work with her arms spread out like Jesus. Yes. Um. The culmination. Yes, obviously. Of her metaphorical sex. Is the Jesus pose. In Architectural Digest. Yes. I mean, for Grace, that would be amazing. Like, that would be better than having sex with Cameron. Yeah, it would be a huge career move. It would Mm -hmm. be very helpful for her. But, so, basically, they get caught right away. Right. So, she's at Cameron's house, where she did objectively go to break up with him. (laughs) And tell him, you know, I can't... No, Cameron, I can't design your house. Yes, because Jack is too important to me. Right. But then he kind of seduces her with the country home. Right. And so, she... um, Walks out into the living room to find Jack, seeing her and Cameron with her swatches. And he's like, how dare you? I can't believe you'd do this to me. And, um, you know, she apologizes to Jack. And then later we come back to Jack's apartment and she goes to apologize again. And then we learn that Jack is back with Cameron. Right. And also, Grace had no intention of not working with him because Cameron appears to hand her his deposit. Right. And so Jack and her are both just like... (gasps) And, like, pointing at each other, like, how dare you? And how then, dare you? And then, in the most quintessentially beautiful Will and Grace moment, they go, eh. And that's it. And it's just so beautiful. Like, after so many episodes where characters on Will and Grace have fought over smaller things for three times as long, for them to get really mad for a hot second and then shrug and move on with their lives is just, for me, so fulfilling. It's very satisfying to see them sort of, like, realize that this is not a, objectively a big deal. Right. Like, they got kind of, like, a little tiff, but it was mostly just, like, they were spending time together. Right. And so, yeah. Sometimes when you love someone, you have to fight with them to spend time with them. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, but I think that this is a lesson that Will and Grace, the characters, could learn from Will and Jack. I agree. To just, sometimes you just gotta go, eh, I don't care. Yeah. And just move on. You yeah. know, just let it go. I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, they both got what they wanted. Yeah, and they both least. kind of accept each other for being kind of underhanded and sneaky behind mm-hmm. each other's back. And they're just like, I don't, I don't care. And we know it's not going to last. We mm. know Jack will break up with Cameron. We know Cameron will never follow through on getting Grace into Architectural Digest. But, you know, it's fun. Sometimes you sleep with the Cameron's. Sometimes you break out their swatches in the bathroom. You know, I mean... There's a TV in there. Yeah, there is a TV in there. And sometimes it's nice to just go in the bathroom with the TV. I wouldn't know from experience, of course, because there aren't any wealthy gays under 50 in Milwaukee. Speaking of uh, bathroom TVs, can I tell you about this extremely hillbilly thing I did when I was depressed in high school right after we broke up? Only if I tell you about watching TV in the bathroom. Okay, great. This is a watching TV in the great. bathroom story. I just remember right after we broke up, this is hilarious because it was well and grace I was watching because mm. I would move my TV on this little table I had it on so that it faced the... I had an ensuite bathroom because I was fancy when I was You little. were fancy. And by that I mean my parents finished their basement and moved downstairs and I inherited their old room. Uh-huh. Um, but so I would put the TV in the doorway and watch just reruns of epi- rerun episodes of Will and Grace right after we broke up for like... A week, and my mom was finally like, "This is sad." See, I don't have even that excuse or that architecture. I just now like because I find reading in the bath so intolerable because of the water. Ugh. Um, I take our old green plastic chair into the bathroom, which doesn't fit in there because we have the world's tiniest bathroom. We do. It's and a closet. Put my laptop on top of the chair and watch TV in the bath. Like at least you had like a rolly cart and a real TV. And you didn't even bring it all the way in the bathroom. Yes. Like, that makes you classy. I'm and it classy. Makes me trashy. Matthew is trashy. You don't like reading in the bath? I like reading in the bath, but I feel like there's no way to read in the bath without getting the book wet. Why don't you just keep a towel handy so that you can, you know, uh, wipe your never hands? enough. What are you doing in there? Bathing? How? How are you? With in- water? Water is the essence of wetness. I'm not sure if you're familiar and okay. wetness is the essence of beauty. Well, you just wanted to end this episode with everybody thinking about you naked. I'm standing with my arms outstretched right now. Not naked, though. He is wearing a hoodie. It's kind of adorable. Hey, gentlemen, if you're single and you're in the Midwestern area and you want to hit on my roommate, do it politely. Yeah, please do. We're ladies. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Have some dignity. Okay. All right, Tess. Why don't you tell everyone where they can slide into my DMs? All right. If you want to slide into Matthew's DMs, just know that I will also see them. Um, but you can find us on Twitter. We are at Not A Couple Show. I will screen them for him. Don't think I'm joking. At Not A Couple Show on Twitter. Um, but we're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Um, and you can find us on iTunes and Podbean. And you can also send us an email, which, again, I will read. Um, we are not Probably a- first. I'm very bad about checking the email. <laughs> not a couple podcasts at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have just two episodes left in the season. Yeah. Um, and then we're thinking of doing a special episode where we talk about um, the year so far, season five, how season five maps very well into season 10 of the revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll have probably an extra week of content from us before we go dark for the holidays. All right. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben, not a couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Liza. Happy holidays.
This episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by Lee Coaches.